Major Lindsay in Africa presents Between the Legal Lines, a podcast focused on leading women lawyers who have pushed beyond the boundaries and found success. Welcome to Between the Legal Lines. I am your host, Andrea Bricka. This podcast is a series of monthly interviews where we explore how women who happen to be also executives and lawyers navigate the boundaries often placed upon them due to their roles and their demographic. These women have found success despite those sometimes very narrowly drawn lines that govern what is acceptable and what is not. And each month we hear a new story from a different woman about what that is like. If you've been listening over the past couple of years, you have heard stories mostly from general counsel. Today, I'm excited to have a guest who is an executive and not a general counsel. Rather, she leads the people function. Joining me today is Jessica Fisterer, Vice President of People at Lively. Jessica, welcome to Between the Legal Lines, and thank you for joining me today. Please tell us a little bit about who you are, about your current role, and generally your path there. Sure. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, So I'm currently the VP of People at Lively, and I think it might make the most sense to go back to the beginning and then get to where we are today. Um, I briefly worked for a very small seed stage startup after undergrad, just kind of um, jack of all trades, HR, benefits, payroll, all that, knowing I was going to go to law school. I had wanted to go to law school since undergrad, but wanted to take a couple of years off. Um, And then, you know, in law school, focused on employment law, civil rights law, was really interested in that. Um, I did a clinic where I worked on um, discrimination cases. um, And it was really interesting. And I I thought I'd be doing that for my career. as it turns out, when I got out of law school and I was working um, in not doing nonprofit legal work um, with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and a couple of other places, I found that it wasn't quite what I thought it would be. <laughs> um, and so I ended up moving back into tech. And part of that was I'm in the Bay Area and I wanted to stay here. Um, and part of that was thinking I could use the skills I'd learned in law school um, coupled with my experience prior to law school um, and maybe help companies be better. So um, I started out at MuleSoft when they were very small. Um, I was the people ops manager there. um, And then I went to Greenhouse where I was the director of people ops and then moved to Lively where I'm at now um, and took over the vice president people role. So that's the path of how I got here. So expand a little bit on your brief stint in public interest. And then when we talked previously, you mentioned that there was a GC that helped you ultimately find your path and ultimately lead now to this leading the people role. Talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, So I had thought I would work in public interest law or maybe even in, in plaintiff side employment law. But as I was working in public interest law, I realized it was a little slow for me. It didn't fit my personality. I didn't I wasn't seeing change at the pace that I like to see. Um, and I had realized during law school that the litigation wasn't really for me either. And so being a plaintiff side employment lawyer wasn't going to work out. Um, I also, you know, wasn't 
getting paid a lot working in, in nonprofit legal work and didn't come from a situation where that was going to work for me long term. So um, when I did join MuleSoft, I had, had a, I had a vague idea that I could use my skills um, at a company that at the, that point didn't have any lawyers on staff because they were still so small. Um, but shortly after I joined, uh, we hired a general counsel and I kind of realized that I should be running the HR function. At the time, um, some of the leadership didn't was a little bit allergic to the word HR. There was a feeling, I think, in tech, um, this was you know a while ago now that HR was um, was no fun and was was kind of the bad guy. And so, Google, I think, was calling it people ops. Um, they were the first ones I, that I know of to kind of call the HR function people operations. And so I said, hey, maybe I should be the people operations manager here, and I should start doing all of those functions. Um, and I did. I took that over and I reported to the general counsel um, and it was great. I learned so much about everything related to um, to HR and people, uh, had a great you know, mentor in him um, and really got to kind of really got to where I am now because of that shift um, and that time I spent doing that work and kind of learning what it meant to run all of those different functions. Has any one person, maybe that GC or someone else, been particularly helpful for you in your career? Yeah, I would say I've been really lucky in that I have had really great folks, especially early in my career, that I worked for. So so that GC helped me out a lot in that, you know, he really he really trusted me. And I think part of that was because I had a law degree and I, you know, um, had that training. Uh, he really let me run with things, but also was available to kind of guide me on the things I didn't really know anything about. Um, and I would say that made a really big impact. And then at my next job, my uh, manager was not an HR person at all, was more of like a, a founder, a creative business person type. Um, and that was really helpful to me because she was really all about the ideas and I was about how are we going to execute these in a way that's compliant and that makes sense. Um, and it was just a really, it was challenging, but in a way that I think helped me grow my career and, and prepare me to become an executive. Can you talk a little bit about how being a lawyer has enhanced your career in people operations or HR? Absolutely. So first I think, it gave me a lot more leeway than someone without that background. And so, for example, um, I was trusted with creating documentation, um, you know, reviewing all of our employment agreements, all of that. Um, I also had direct relationships with our outside counsel, which isn't always the case for HR folks. They often have to work with the inside counsel and then kind of, you know, have that person be the middleman to the outside counsel. But for me, I was able to have those direct relationships. I was able to kind of speak the same language. Um, I think it probably catapulted my career forward more quickly than if I hadn't started in law or had a law degree. I think it gave me a little bit of a boost. I know it gave me a boost um, in that it let me kind of move forward because of the experience that I had had. Um, and even today, I would say it's enhanced my career, even, you know, working now, I'm not doing any legal work. We have a great general counsel at Lively that I partner with very closely, 
Um, but I certainly am able to, you know, work with outside counsel when needed. And um, our current general counsel has a level of trust in me that I think is different than it would be if I did not have that background and training. So expanding a little bit more on that prior question, how have others in the organizations you've worked in, colleagues in legal or those in people operations, reacted to your background as a lawyer and as an HR executive? I would say overall, they've reacted really well. Um, it's it's not totally uncommon, right? I, I have met other folks who are in and to be honest, I've actually met more folks who are in recruiting function who used to be lawyers than who are in HR functions. Um, but for me, that's all the same function. I run both of those. Um, and I think it has allowed me to have the kind of relationships and conversations with colleagues that wouldn't otherwise happen. And, and generally, it's a positive reaction. People may be surprised. And then I kind of explain how they're related. And then they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, for a little while early in my career, I kept getting asked, well, are you sure you don't want to help out with the contract side and the sales side? And I was like, no, I, I, that's not where my heart is. That's not, you know, what I'm really interested in doing. But, but now it's almost become such a part of, of who I am that it's not, I don't know, I don't, it doesn't even get questioned anymore. Um, even if folks are surprised once I kind of tell them how it transpired, um, it makes a lot of sense and they get it. So typically on our program, we talk about the boundaries people place on themselves or are placed on them by others in the workplace as women executives, things such as things they cannot say or perceived limitations. Have you found that in your roles? And do you think being a lawyer in the HR side of the business has resulted in any such limitations or perceptions by you or others? That's a great question. Um, I think as far as the first part of your question, things one can't say or limitations, I think I've felt that um, definitely less as I've gone on in my career because I feel more certain that I know what I'm doing and there's less and less imposter syndrome, right? Um, but early on, I definitely felt that a lot. And I think if anything, I, I, I almost feel that that's more a function of being in HR than anything else, I feel it limits kind of my ability to, uh, the way, not my ability, the way that I interact with my colleagues, right? The person kind of running HR is not going to be everyone's best friend, is not going to be hanging out after work for happy hour necessarily. Um, and that's been interesting because as an executive, you know, you want to, you want to be part of the team and spend time and, and get close with your, your teammates. Um, and on the executive team, you can do that because kind of everyone's got the same, what I call quote unquote security clearance. Um, but with the rest of the org, it's a little different. And I guess as a woman executive, I definitely feel today, like I'm on it. I'm not the only woman executive on my team. And I wasn't at my last company either, which is really excellent. Um, it, it really changes what I feel I can talk about and how I can relate to the team. Um, but before that, you know, there, there weren't, I didn't see a lot of women at the executive level and the ones I did, I felt, you know, they, they did have to kind of hide parts of themselves or kind of try to fit in with the boys. Um, 
I've been lucky in that I've seen that change uh, for me and at the companies that I've been at. And then you had a second part of the question, which is whether being a lawyer on the HR side of the business resulted in lim limitations. Um, that's a tough one. I think, I think it probably does impact perception, although because I've never been an HR professional without a legal background, I don't know how different that is from my peers, right? Um, I don't know if the fact that people maybe are a little bit worried about sharing things around me or worried about getting in trouble because I'm HR and all that. I don't know if that's because I have a legal background or that's just because I'm the VP of HR. Um, you know, it's hard to say which of those is influencing things. I definitely feel it. I always kind of chalked it up to being the head of the HR slash people team, but it could be both. And it's interesting you said it that way, right? Because it's like you you can't really separate them, right? I mean, my mm -hmm. question asked it in a way that almost separates them, but you really can't separate them, can you? No. What have you learned about leadership from being an executive and a leader during the pandemic from its start to now, two years later? Yeah, well, I would say the biggest thing I've learned about or the biggest thing I've learned in the pandemic from a work perspective and maybe outside of work too, is that you really don't know what's going to come your way. If you had asked me at any point in my career, if I would be thinking about the things that I have had to think about in the past two years, I would have never thought of any of these, right? Like from whether closing the office to how do we, handle hiring, you know, remotely when we weren't planning to, um, to how do we bring people back safely? What do our kind of routines look like as a company when people are needing to have do childcare in their home because schools are closed? There were just so many factors that came up that I couldn't have predicted. So although I've always worked in startups and so I'm used to being flexible, I'm used to things changing. I, at, when I started at Lively, I had a feeling that I knew the universe of things that I was dealing with. I had dealt with all the things by that point. But um, the pandemic brought a whole new set of things that no one, I don't think, uh, no one that's alive today that has worked in HR people has dealt with before because we haven't seen something like this in you know several generations. And so that's something that I think has been really interesting, learning how to stay flexible um, and then from an HR side, from like, you know, being in the executive in charge of the people team, thinking about the employees and their experience, you know, because so much of what we do in HR is about employee engagement, the employee experience, retention. Of course, it's also about the company and how can we make sure that we're making choices that are good for the business and good for employees. And during the pandemic, that just got thrown upside down and we had to be really creative about everything that we were doing. So maybe it wasn't a new lesson so much as it was a reconfirming of a lesson I've learned many times before in the startup world, which is be ready for anything, stay flexible. And like, you have to be creative or else you will not succeed. Any thoughts on how more lawyers can explore careers in people operations, human resources? I mean, I think I, I think generally 
folks with a legal background are well suited for the work. And I said before that I've met a lot of recruiters who had been attorneys before. I've actually worked with a VP of sales who was an attorney prior. Um, and it, it depends a little bit on what type of legal work you've done, but also it's a personality thing, right? And I think folks who really like to litigate or be in the courtroom, they probably make great recruiters and great salespeople because they like to, to chat with others. They like to make those relationships and, um, folks who are more interested in the employment side of things or in um, civil rights or in things like making things fair and equitable are really great folks to go into people ops or employee experience or places where we are trying to make things fair and equitable at our companies, right? I always say, for me, I'm just doing the flip side of the work I thought I'd be doing when I graduated law school. I'm helping companies be great so that there isn't a need for folks to bring legal challenges because a company's acting unfairly or something like that. And I think many people who have legal backgrounds are interested in that and would be a good fit. And then of course, there's all of the regulations, the compliance and having legal training really helps um, with understanding that, keeping track of it, translating it, turning that into policies. Um, I think it's, it's kind of a natural fit in that way. You mentioned being at startups. Do you think that's an easier route for people than in, you know, a fortune, whatever, 150, where going into an HR role as a lawyer might be seen differently? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, it, you know, it may be. And the reason being a lot of startups or tech companies are a little more, and this is my opinion, I have not worked at a, you know, a larger company Um I should say I haven't worked at a company larger than about 600 employees, um, so not not a giant company. But I, I think startups, tech companies, smaller ones especially, are more open to what people can do than them having the exact experience of the role. And that was true for me when I first got hired, right? I had a little tiny bit of kind of HR experience from a prior startup. But when I joined that, I had no experience. They just said, oh, well, you, you know, you're smart and you have your stuff together. So let's try this out. And I think you're a lot more likely to get that chance um, at a company that is looking at your potential and looking at kind of your transferable skills than at a company that says, oh, you have to have this specific degree or experience to take the role. What advice would you offer to other ambitious women about workplace behavior in general and careers? That's a great question. I think, you know, about workplace behavior, and I think this is getting a lot better because folks are more openly having conversations about what happens in the workplace that is, um, you know, that disadvantages women or even if even beyond women, um, introverts or um, different types of learning styles. You know, we have all of these different things now that people are more aware of and they're trying to make workplaces more equitable for everyone. But I think for women, it's just really important to say out loud, like what you need, what's going on, like normalizing, especially during the pandemic too. I think a lot of 
women, as we know, left the workforce to take care of their kids, right? And so folks are going to be coming back from that. Um, folks, you know, women may have needs in their lives that like they're not feeling so comfortable talking about with their male colleagues. But I think the more that, that we can have those conversations and the more the trust is built, the more the better it is for everyone because then companies can make policies that fit everyone's life, right? And are not just geared towards, towards men. I think that's changing a lot in, in my experience in recent years. Um, what was the second part of that question again, beyond behavior? It's just, it's just general advice to, to women, other ambitious women about workplace behavior and their careers. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, my, you know, I think I certainly consider myself an ambitious person. Um, but a lot of my success in my career has not been for me saying, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go get that position. I'm going to go do that. It's been from really finding places that I had great colleagues and was excited about the work and the mission. So it was easy for me to do great work. And that's how I moved up in my career. And I think it's really important to have that lens because if for me, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people, if you're just looking at, I want to, I want to be an executive, but you're not thinking about who are the, what's the type of team I want to be on? What's my work-life balance that I want it to look like? What skills do I need to get there? Um, you can find yourself going off the path or ending up on a team that's really dysfunctional or somewhere that's not going to feel great. So I think finding the right places to grow your career is probably the most important thing, especially for women, because you want to be at a company that is um, considering the needs of all of their employees. Excellent advice. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. This has been Between the Legal Lines, where you have just heard from Jessica Fister, VP People at Lively. I am Andrea Bricka from Major Lindsay in Africa. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for a new story from another woman successfully operating between the legal lines. If you have a story you would like to share, please contact me at abricka at mlaglobal.com. Thank you. Discover how Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape at www.mlaglobal.com dot com.